Our scripture reading comes from Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Our topic again, prophecy and purpose. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you, Lord, for taking care of us so far this week. Lord, we have seen terrible things happening all again in America. Each of these events remind us of our need for you and of this world's need for your return. So tonight, Lord, make me once again just a nail on the wall, a rusty, sorry nail, Lord. But upon that nail, Lord, I ask that you hang a portrait of Jesus Christ. As we discuss Daniel now, even deeper, and the mind that he had, I pray, Lord, that we would all be convicted to have the kind of bravery, courage, and mindset of the prophet Daniel. For he had your mind, Lord. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. So we're going to jump right back into Daniel chapter 6 and finish up our story from last night. We left off at verse 10. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So Daniel, as we talked about last night, made sure every night to pray to his God before he went to bed. When he got up in the morning, he spent time with God. We realize that Daniel knew that this was a trap, but he did it anyway. Verse 11, his accusers, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. I can imagine that they probably either peered in through the window to get their evidence. Maybe they kicked in the door. But they caught Daniel in the act. That was the, the whole goal of the trap that they had set. Verse 12 says, Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. So they go in and they say, King, didn't you sign a decree that if anybody prays or asks anything from anyone but you, God or man, that they are to be cast into the den of lions? And the king is like, yep, that's right. And our, our law does not alter. Then they spring it. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captive captivity of Judah, Regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but marketh his petition, maketh his petition three times a day. What a diabolical plan. And if you notice, they write something into the, into the accusation. They say, he does not regard you, king. I want to submit to you, as we get deeper into prophecy tonight and through the rest of the week, that one of the ways that the world will come against the people of God is not simply to try and get us 
uh, tripped up over man-made laws, but they will try and make it as if by breaking the law, we are personally attacking someone else. They did that here. When the king heard these words, the Bible says he was sore displeased with himself. The king was upset that he didn't see the jealousy and envy of these men, that they did not like Daniel from the beginning, that they wanted his position. And the king realized now that he had been duped. The Bible says something profound. It says, in fact, that the king labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. The king tried. He probably went and got some of the royal attorneys and tried to see if there was a loophole in the law or the decree that was signed. He worked all day and all night up until the time when Daniel was to be tossed into the lion's den, but he could find no loophole. The men come back and assemble unto the king and said unto him, No, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. King, you can't change what you did. I can imagine that Darius drops his head as he thinks of Daniel, who he holds in such high esteem. Daniel, who has been such a faithful counselor and friend, who has introduced him, don't miss this, Daniel, who has introduced him to the God of heaven, Darius realizes how special Daniel is, and he is heartbroken at the idea. In verse 16, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the, lion, into the den of lions. But look at what the king does before Daniel goes into this den of lions. The king speaks to Daniel and says here in verse 16, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. This is profound. The king of a foreign pagan nation whispers in Daniel's ear right before he is bound to be thrown down into a den of hungry lions, whispers into Daniel's ear, don't worry, Daniel. The God that you serve will deliver you. How different is Darius with Daniel than Nebuchadnezzar was with the three Hebrew boys? The influence, we're talking about um, it is possible, go and do. The influence that a few Christian young people have on empires is profound. Not only does Nebuchadnezzar eventually spend seven years out in the fields as a wild beast and come to serve the God of heaven himself, converted to the true religion, we now see that even the conquerors of Babylon accept that the God of heaven is the true God. Scripture says, and a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet. And with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. They put the, the, the stone over it. They put the, 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 the ribbon on it. They put the signet ring. They stamped it that no one had permission to remove it. Daniel was going to spend the night alone with lions that I'm sure his enemies made sure had not eaten in quite some time. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. 
neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. The Bible says the king was so distraught that he didn't eat. He wouldn't allow them to bring in music for entertainment. My Bible tells me that the king uh, was so upset that he didn't even sleep the whole night, tossing and turning, worried about Daniel. Verse 19 says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. When he gets up in the morning, I don't think the king brushes his teeth. I don't think he pours out his cereal. I think he, I'm kidding about the cereal, but I don't think he runs to where Daniel was tossed into the lion's den. He makes haste, the Bible says. He hurries to get there. And when he gets to the den, the Bible says he cries with a, a lamentable voice, meaning he cries in agony and sorrow, expecting and hoping the best, but understanding that it's his fault that Daniel is in that pit. The king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Notice that after the night, the king doesn't speak as uh, uh, um, forcefully in favor of Daniel being alive. He's asking a question, are you there, Daniel? Was your, was your God able to save you? Did he deliver you from the lions? Daniel's response is classic. In verse 21, he says, O king, live forever. Daniel was never, don't miss this, there is nothing in this story that would make you think that Daniel for a moment was worried about his safety. Verse 22, he says, my God hath sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. He says, listen, king, my God sent angels and the angel told the lions to stay back. Can you imagine those big cats ready and hungry? And when they went to look at Daniel, I'm sure he dropped down there. And you, if you remember the old cartoon, Tom and Jerry, the, the, when, you know, when that dog would see the cat, he would just turn into a side of steak in his eyes. When those lions saw Daniel, he looked like food when he dropped down there. But as they began to have an appetite for, for, for Daniel, the angel came and those lions' appetite just disappeared. They laid down and said, well, we're not eating this tonight. He said the, the angel came. I want to submit to you, church, young people, as dangerous as this world is, God still sends angels. God still sends angels. And you as a Christian have to remember that because in the last week to 10 days, after it seems like we had a pause during the pandemic of mass shootings and random shootings, we've just had two, one in Atlanta and one in Colorado just recently in a world that at times uh, we, it seemed like the pandemic had, had frozen all of that. And now all of a sudden it's as if that kind of a mindset has come back. But I do not want you to live in fear. Understand that the God of the universe still dispatches angels to watch his children. He said, King, I did nothing to you. Daniel 6 and verse 23. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him 
and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him. Why was no manner of hurt found on Daniel? Because he believed in his God. It was the mindset of belief that did it. When Daniel was tossed into that den, the lions were held back. This is one of the fa- fa- famous renditions from the late 1800s of this story. And the lions stayed back. It's Daniel. I bet you Daniel had a praise service in that den that night, calling on the name of his God. The challenge for us is that we each are called in these last days to dare to be a Daniel. It's a song we used to sing in church when I was a kid that said, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, and dare to make it known. Young people, you are facing a time where trial and tribulation are going to be brought down on the people of God. In fact, it has already begun. If I had time tonight, I would bring you the story. I spoke uh, um, for um, via Zoom for an, uh, for an Australian um, group that is a part of um, um, Voice of the Martyrs. And, they be, and, and before I spoke, they were telling the stories of things that are happening around the world. Christians arrested, beaten, property stolen from all over the world. While we here in America don't think much about it, there are parts of the world where it is hazardous to call on the name of Jesus. And I wish I could say that the land of the free and the home of the brave would never have such things happen. But prophetically, we are warned that this can happen and that it will happen. And the question for the young people tonight is, do you have the kind of uh, moral and spiritual fortitude as Daniel did to stand when trial comes our way? Well, Jesus predicts in Matthew 24 and verse 21 and 22, he says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Jesus tells us that at the end of time, we are going to face tribulation like the world has never seen. And I, you know, when I was a kid, I wondered how this could be possible. But when I was a kid, they didn't have a phone that they, you didn't have, everybody didn't walk with a cell phone that you could be followed around with. They didn't have social media where you could be quickly and easily shamed. The, the, the things that exist, the technologies that exist to track and follow and to, and to put you out there didn't exist. The time of trouble that is coming may not even be what we think. Because Peter, if you remember the story of Peter denying Christ, he didn't deny Christ when soldiers came for him. He denied Christ when ridiculed. When the soldiers came for him, he drew a sword and was ready to fight. But when a little girl said that he was with Jesus, Peter cursed and swore to make it plain that he was not one of the disciples. We live in a time when people are more worried about, we talked about social media last night, more worried about their online presence and what people think about them and how many likes they get when they post something. We're more worried about that than worrying about how well we are liked by the God of heaven. 
Daniel 12 and verse 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. The Bible tells us that, in fact, prophetically, there is going to be a purpose for God's people that we're going to get into over the next few nights. Uh, there's a purpose for God's people. But prophetically, there is going to be such a time of trouble that time itself will have to be shortened. And that the, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that are written in that book, they are going to be saved. The question then becomes, what is this process? What are the characteristics of those individuals who are going to be protected when the world falls into great tribulation? Revelation 7 and verse 1 says it like this. Let's get a little deeper into prophecy now. Revelation 7, 1 says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. I want you to know that there are angels holding back the winds of strife, holding uh, them back because if God was to allow the full weight of the consequences of sin to fall on this planet, none of us would survive. There are angels holding back the winds of strife. As terrible as things are, it, we, we still see this earth through the veil of mercy. These four angels are struggling and there's an appointed time for them to let go and allow the winds to go. The scripture says in Revelation 7 and verse 2 and 3, John says, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. And so this fifth angel comes on the scene, and he says to the four, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. The fifth angel comes on the scene and he says, listen, I don't care how much damage needs to be done. Nothing can be touched on the entire planet until God's people are sealed. Where are they sealed? In their foreheads. This is significant because the Bible gives uh, a hint to the importance of this piece of anatomy, the forehead. Because science would tell you that what sits behind your, 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 your forehead, this frontal bone, is your frontal lobe and the prefrontal cortex of the brain. This is what makes us human. The human mind is fully one-third frontal lobe. It's 33% frontal lobe. The next smartest animals are, are, are porpoises and chimpanzees, but their frontal lobe is only about 12%. The dog, which most of us think dogs are so smart, 7% frontal lobe. God designed man. And let me, let, me, let, me, let me say it like this. 
When the scripture says that we were created in the image of God, a part of that image is the fact that we were given the ability to reason, to choose, and to think. A big part of that that separates us. So when evolution talks about this, they kind of get stymied. Why do humans develop this massive frontal lobe that allows us to plan and construct, um, to think about six and seven years from now? No other animals can do that. It is the break in evolution's theory. The very frontal lobe of your mind tells you that something special is happening with humans because if the frontal lobe was the best way for animals to survive, all animals would have evolved such a frontal lobe. But man was created with this frontal lobe because God created man to worship God. You see, there are a few things God cannot do. One of them is God cannot lie. If God says the sky is polka dot, his word makes the sky polka dot. He can't lie. But the other thing God can't do, and there are a few things people might try and come up with all those things, but the other one that I think is important is that God cannot force you to love him. People ask, why is wickedness and evil in the world? The simple answer is free will. I hear a lot of people who want to tear down religion, try and explain and say that doesn't make any sense. But it makes perfect sense if you understand the great controversy between Christ and Satan. If you understand that the devil pointed his finger at God and said his law is not fair. He's not fair to hold all the power and, and all the different things that Lucifer accused God of and was able to convince a third of the angels based on Revelation chapter 12 to follow him into perdition. Man was created with this massive frontal lobe because God wants to receive our love. So what is in this frontal lobe? Well, here in the frontal lobe is where reasoning happens. It's where planning happens. It's in the frontal lobe where language happens. Of course, this is where um, um, we uh, even... Um, uh, motor function, initiation, impulse control. And one of the things we're going to talk about this um, tomorrow night, this is also where social and sexual behavior is actually controlled. So I want to submit to you right out of the gate that Daniel protected his frontal lobe. In the beginning of the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, when they offered him the king's meat and his wine, Daniel refused it. We're going to talk about uh, alcohol and drugs um, in two nights. Because Daniel understood that the mind had to be left clear and he had to have sharp perception if he was going to survive in a foreign land. So important is the frontal lobe that Isaiah 1 and verse 18 says it like this. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you can't reason you can't be saved. If you have no ability to ask uh, the right questions of God, to interact with God, to reason with God, to bring to him your faults and your weaknesses, to be humbled by God, all of that is frontal lobe processing. So what happens is you must protect your frontal lobe. And we're going to talk about that for the rest of the week. The pro when the, once you understand the prophecy, you begin to see the purpose in much of what we do uh, as Christians. Most of it is designed to protect this. The reason you have a liver is so that your blood is detoxified, so that the frontal lobe functions properly. 
That's why you have kidneys. That's why you have a heart to pump blood to your frontal lobe. Because if you did a lobectomy and removed your frontal lobe, you would cease to be you. Your personality would disappear. This is where character sits. So the devil wants your frontal lobe. He wants to control your mind. That's why the scripture reading tonight is, have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We live in a world where people can implant breasts and, and bottoms and, and pectoralis muscles and ab muscles, and they can do all kinds of plastic surgeries. But let me submit to you, there is no substitute for having a genuine, true, pure character. No surgeon can implant one. Ephesians 1.13 starts to give you some instruction on how to get there. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. How do you begin to have this transformation of the frontal lobe? What seals you? What, what is it that makes you this way? It is literally having the Holy Spirit abiding in you. As Christians, we don't pray for the Holy Spirit the way we ought to. We don't invite in the Holy Spirit as a person to, to comfort us and to instruct us uh, as the scripture says we should. This is part of the sealing. The Spirit of Prophecy says it like this in letter 126, 1898, she says, What is the seal of the living God, which is placed in the foreheads of his people? It is a mark which angels but not human eyes can read. For the destroying angel must see this mark of redemption. When I was growing up and they talked about the seal of God, I never thought of it as a seal of redemption. You are sealed when you have been redeemed by the power of God from your sin. That is the power of being redeemed and being sealed. It means that you've been washed in the blood of the lamb. She goes on to say in manuscript 173, 1902, just as soon as the people of God are sealed in their foreheads, it is not uh, any seal or mark that can be seen, but a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually. So they cannot be moved just as soon as the people of God are sealed and prepared for the shaking, it will come. Indeed, it has begun already. The judgments of God are now upon the land to give us warning that we may know what is coming. Get this, church. The seal of God is a settling into the truth. Who leads us into all truth? Jesus says that the Holy Spirit does that. But it is not simply an intellectual understanding of what we believe as Seventh-day Adventists. This is not just that we understand the 28 fundamental beliefs and we understand uh, the doctrines of our church. It is not just intellectual. These truths must be spiritually accepted and manifest in us so that we do no longer live the way we used to. And in fact, the shaking will come as the people of God are sealed. The spirit of prophecy says it has begun already. But of course, there is another mark. The frontal lobe does not just receive the seal of God. It also receives this, Revelation 13 and verse 16, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. There is a mark, a mark of the beast that you can receive. And 
interestingly, the, the seal of God, you only get in your forehead, but the mark of the beast, you can get in your forehead or your right hand. In your forehead, because there are those who will willingly accept to rebel against God and receive that mark. Others will simply follow people and get the mark in their right hand. And we live in a time of followers, don't we? In fact, we almost define ourselves by who we follow on social media and who follows us. Faith I Live by, page 288. Eloi says, what are you doing, brethren, in the great work of preparation? Those who are uniting with the world are receiving the worldly mold and preparing for the mark of the beast. Those who are distrustful of self, who are humbling themselves before God and purifying their souls by obeying the truth, these are receiving the heavenly mold and preparing for the seal of God in their foreheads. When I was growing up in the church and they talked about the seal of God, I never understood that in fact what I was doing today was preparing me either to receive the seal of God or the mark of the beast. It's not one day arbitrarily in the future you're going to get a stamp on you uh, uh, like a package running through a UPS line as to where you're going. No, every day you are making a decision to receive one of these two marks. Every day you're either preparing to be sealed by God or, or receive the mark of the beast. Today we're doing that by what we watch and what we listen to and, and what we read, everything, who we hang out with. All of these things will impact our minds because especially up until the age of 26, the human mind is quite uh, malleable. It still is moldable. The devil wants, when you're young, to expose you to as much of the world's filth as possible in order to shape your mind to be more like the world so that the, you, you lose um, uh, your sensibilities towards the things of God. So that it's easier to reject God as you get older because you've literally been programmed to remove him from your life. So... The scripture says that your body is the temple. Let's look at the frontal lobe another way. Jesus spoke of the temple of his body. What? No, you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So the body is the temple. That means the body is like the sanctuary. And here's the sanctuary, which is like the human body. These outer, the outer uh, walls of the sanctuary out here would be like your skin. This would be like your mouth the opening here. The altar of sacrifice would be like the digestive system. You couldn't put anything unclean on that altar, just like you shouldn't put anything unclean in your body. Of course, there was the, um, the golden laver here, which is where they washed, which would be like your circulatory system. I could go through hair and point out herring and sight and all the different ways that this matches up to the human body. I don't have time tonight to go through that fully, except to say that when you get into the holy place and the most holy place, you're dealing with the mind. And the frontal lobe is like the most holy place of the sanctuary. This is where, see, in the sanctuary, in the most holy place, the Shekinah glory of God fell. This is where God's presence sat over the mercy seat with the Ten Commandments, like your conscience, and the budding rod of Aaron, like your memory, all sitting inside. The correlation is incredible. And because the Shekinah glory of God fell there, that is where sin was dealt in. Remember what Isaiah 118 says? Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. It is in your frontal lobe, the only part of your brain where you can reason that the Holy Spirit must work. And that's why the, holy, the, the frontal lobe has to be protected. Ephesians 6 and verse 17 says it like this. 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The two parts of, uh, of that text are both instruments and, and used by the frontal lobe. For the one part, salvation is always described in the scripture, Old and New Testament, as a helmet. Why? Because if you, you don't protect your mind, salvation becomes impossible. If you allow your mind to be withered away with alcohol, this is why the scripture says the drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because the drunkard can no longer reason. And of course, it is through the reasoning part of your mind that you learn to wield the sword of the word of God, which is the only offensive weapon, offensive weapon in the whole armor of God. It's the sword. Without a functioning frontal lobe, you won't be able to use it. And so what you understand is that the frontal lobe is the battlefield of the great controversy. It's not out and around in the world the battlefield for, 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 uh, of the great controversy is in each one of our hearts and minds. This is where the wrestling and the tussling is happening. And this is why this must be protected so, so seriously. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says it like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We'll come back to this text later in the week. But look at verse 2. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You cannot in your own mind, put, let me put it this way, you're not in your right mind. Unless you get the mind of Christ, you're not in your right mind. Prophetically, you will never find your purpose unless you allow Christ to control your frontal lobe. The Shekinah glory of God should fall there. He should be the high priest in your frontal lobe, in your most holy part of your body, the part that needs to be most protected. That's why Philippians 2 and verse 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It is in the frontal lobe that character is developed, where character is formed. And, and, and when I was growing up in church, one of the things they said that still makes perfect sense to me is the only thing you get to take to heaven with you is your character. Your body's going to be glorified, but your character is going to make it there. So important is the character... <laughs> The frontal lobe in regard to your character, that when, when, we, when we not only is it the seal of God that goes there, when speaking in Revelation of the 144,000, it says that God has written his name in their foreheads. What does God's name represent? His name represents his character. Education, page 225, character building is the most important work ever entrusted to human beings. And never before was its diligent study so important as now. She says, the world does not need, does not so much need men of great intellect as of noble character. It needs men in whom ability is controlled by steadfast principle. Character. That's what Daniel had. That's what we're going to need to survive the time of trouble that is coming. 
You read the prophecy. We're going to get deeper into prophecy as we go through the week. When you study the prophecies and understand, you can't, as well, last night we talked about secret sin. Secret sin damages your character. You're hiding things from God. You think you're hiding things from God, (laughs) but you're not really hiding things from God. Your secret sin is open rebellion against God, and it damages your character. The music we listen to, we'll talk about music a little later in the week, bypasses the frontal lobe, enters in, uh, into the brain. You don't, you, don't, you don't check what you listen to the same way as when someone speaks. That's why s- songs just pop up in my head all the time from when I, I haven't heard in 20 years. You just start singing an old song. You know, I've never had a speech just pop in my head and I just start reciting it. Music has power. We'll talk more about that. But all of these things converge, even how we eat, and definitely the influence of drugs and alcohol, as we'll talk about in a couple of nights. They all manage to damage, contort, or twist your character. This is why every other commercial, it seems like, is for either vodka or beer, or, and why marijuana will be legalized uh, uh, in, uh, across the world and the country. Satan's after frontal lobes. To end the story with Daniel, Daniel 6, 24. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den, meaning before they basically hit the ground. Verse 25, then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. Look at what Darius says. Look at what witness Daniel gives. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that, that, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Darius recognizes that Daniel's God is the God that rules the universe. Look how he describes God. He delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions And look at this. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Daniel goes on. Keep leading. Keep standing for God because he made a decision that no matter what, no matter what the consequences, he was going to put God first. Young people, I challenge you. Put God first. This is what Ellen White says in Adventist homepage 301. God's reward for Daniels of today. There is now need of men who, like Daniel, will do and dare. A pure heart and a strong, fearless hand are wanted in the world today. God designed that men should be constantly improving, daily reaching a higher point in the scale of excellence. He will help us if we seek seek to help ourselves. Our hope of happiness in two worlds, I like this, our hope of happiness in two worlds depends upon our improvement in one. Young person, eternity is at the door. Time is running out. God has a purpose for you. And the prophecies pointed out, 
Like Daniel, if we can stand, the world will see that we stand for the true God. And his name will be glorified. I challenge you. Take God seriously. I'll end with a quick story. A patient I had came in depressed. She was in nursing school. She was very distraught. She'd had a pretty significant psychiatric history. Something about her condition made her want to go to church. And she went to one of the local churches here, not an Adventist church. She went to one of the local churches here, tried to sing. She sang on the praise team. Of course, COVID hit and, and, and she was not able to do that. And she was so distraught when she came in trying to calm her anxiety. She was shaking like a leaf. All the medications, none of them were working. She began to tell me all of the mess, all of the things she had done, all of the mistakes she had made. She was just in her late teens or early 20s. She began to just recite them, and, and, as, and, and, it was, and she began to tell of, of how family members had disowned her. She kept her head down the whole time, and finally I looked, and she had a cross around her neck, and I asked her, I said, are you a believer? She said, yes, I am a believer, I said, then you can put your head up. Because even if people don't see your value, God does. And she and I began to talk. And I began to explain to her that in fact she was a, per a person of purpose. And all that was going on was the enemy trying to rattle her from the faith that somehow she had found in the midst of the chaos of her life. And let me tell you something, young people, as we, as we were in the room, her, 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 two of her family members were in the waiting room, and, and I said, can we bring them in? And I got them, and we brought them in, and we had a circle of prayer in that room, and this young lady who was trembling like a leaf, who could not sit still, overcome by anxiety, as we called on the name of the Lord, and as I, I claimed the blood of Jesus over that young lady, I watched as her hand came to a complete standstill. She had not eaten in two weeks she had lost about 15 pounds and she was not a big person she was becoming super thin because of the stress and the anxiety and when we prayed she was calm her appetite returned in fact she said she wanted to go and get some french fries let me tell you something church the god of the days of daniel is still the god you serve the Bible says that Daniel was delivered from the lions because he believed in his God. Young person, what do you need to be delivered from? If you can believe in your God, you will find deliverance. And as we go through the rest of this week, we're going to focus on that deliverance in the context of the prophecies of these last days. So I hope to see you back again tomorrow night. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you, Father, for creating us a little lower than the angels. But Lord, you created us. In fact, the psalmist says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of us is special. As I told that young lady in the clinic that day, she's so special that if she was the only sinner on earth, Christ would have come and died just for her. 
Lord, help all our young people across the conference and anyone who will listen to this around the world to understand that Christ died for them. And now he asks us to live for him. Lord, help each young person to find their purpose as we get through these difficult last days. Like Daniel, let us not be afraid. Let us always stand for you. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.